Hello, I'm Shelly Till. Welcome to the Too Much Grit to Quit podcast, where I speak to some of the greatest athletic minds about overcoming adversity and building your grit muscle. My guest today has hosted over 200 shows, including more than 1,500 guests, and he is also currently authoring his own book. And oh, by the way, he's only 14 years old. The founder of Global Kid Media. Welcome, Vedant Gupta. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you. Really excited to be on the podcast today, and um, just just trying to inspire millions of kids out there is is the whole whole message. Yeah, you are super busy, and it's pretty incredible. Um, not not just everything that you've done, but the fact that you're only 14 years old. Um, you're an inspiration to not just kids out there, but adults. And certainly a reminder that anything is possible and, uh, you know, there are no limits, only the limits we put on ourselves. So I'm curious to know, Vedant, you, I think I read you started this when you were nine years old. How did this all get going? <laughs> so the media part of things, Global Comedia didn't really start till I was 11, but I say that the journey really goes back to when I was eight or nine years old. Um, I think it goes back to communication, right? So the whole way I got into the media side of things was through my passion in sports and communications. When I was eight years old, I was visiting some family over in India and I saw this poem on one of my cousin's walls that said, you are a special person. And I brought that back to the high school I go to now. And at the time was, was in fourth grade. And I said, I want to read this on the announcements because there's a kid every year who's taking their life and there's mental health issues. So I said, I want to do my part at least to try to prevent this, whatever is, the school is doing isn't working, so why not try? And the impact was an English teacher, her whole class was in tears. And to me, it was like, that's cool, but where do I want to go with this? Mm-hmm. If I can communicate like that, I have to use it for the right reasons. And I wanted to get on the speaking circuit. One day, an opportunity came up to apply for Sports Illustrated for Kids. They said, go interview someone locally. And to make a long story short, I wanted to go bigger than that. So I applied to the NCAA tournament. Somebody gave me credentials. I did 100 interviews and um, built relationships with Coach Izzo, Coach Beheim, and a bunch of people. Unfortunately, I got declined from Sports Illustrated for Kids, but that's where Global Comedia was born. And so um, three years later, here we are. Well, it's great you didn't let uh, that know set you back. I'm sure that would have been devastating for a lot of people. And, and it speaks to, you know, people have a dream and they have a vision. And sometimes we can get really tunnel visioned. And then if it doesn't work out the way we want it to, um, a lot of people would just give up or say, oh, I guess this wasn't meant to be. What was it that kept you going and moving forward and, and pivoting, if you will? Yeah, so I think what, what really set kind of the, the standards for me to keep going was I realized that in sports media, there are no kids. Like I was like, if, if I wanted to do this, say when I was five years old, there really wouldn't be a reason for me to want to do it because there's no other kids doing it. So let me be that example and at least let get other kids interested. I always say it doesn't have to be sports media. If a kid wants to go out there and cook and, and start a cooking show, then support that because you never know who they could be. Who was instrumental in supporting you in this pursuit? My parents, 100%. Um, throughout this whole process, they've always told me, and I was four or five years old since I could comprehend words pretty much that if you want to do something, you have to be the first example. You have to be the first person to do it. You can't wait because that way it's not going to happen the way you want it to happen. So they always told me if, if something, if you have a vision, you better go, go do it. Don't wait for anyone else. 
excellent advice by your parents. Who else do you look up to? I'm curious in this. Um, let's start with in the broadcasting world first. Uh, I know you said that there are no kids. However, you I'm sure have interviewed and watched and studied several people in the sports broadcasting in industry. So who are some of the people that stand out? You know, I've been fortunate enough to connect with a lot of these people. And as far as play-by-play -play goes, you know, Iron Eagle is one of the best to do it. And I've gotten a chance to sit down with him and talk. Noah Eagle, his son, is obviously doing some big things now. Um, you know, so many reporters and, and things like that who I look up to, too, I've gotten a chance to talk to. I know uh, Reese Davis is somebody who is almost one of the perfect examples. He's actually from my area. He, he worked here for a little bit. So it was a cool connection to have him on the show. Someone I've looked up to, I haven't gotten a chance to talk to yet is Maria Taylor. I think the way she's created a brand for herself, the toys, just is, is Maria Taylor, right? So I always look up to her as well. How about on the athlete side? So it was funny. A lot of times people ask me, what made you want to do sports? I mean, it was completely unexpected. I, I, when I was watching sports, like most kids, I was watching the athletes. I wanted to be an athlete myself. I still do. So I know Shaquille and Shaquille Griffin are two people who really, really inspired me. Just their story, doing something against all odds. And I was like, man, one day if, if I could talk to both of them, that would be cool. And last year, at the Super Bowl, I think the day we met, I talked to both of them together, and that was one of the coolest interviews in the world. Just look up to the, the guys who defy the odds every day. Go out there and say, doesn't matter. We're going we're gonna to push through. I'm curious how you go about because you've had some obviously really big name interviews on your show, um, whether they're athletes, coaches, or, or broadcasters. How do you go about securing these interviews? It's a lot of persistence that goes into it. Um, I know for me, it almost feels like nobody sees my DMs. You send out a thousand and get zero replies. It's like, really? But <laughs> just a whole lot of persistence. I know I've been fortunate enough through traveling to different places to build connections with people. And that helps me to get them on the show or at least, you know, talk to them and, and learn from them. Much like how I got you on the show, we met in person. That was really cool to, to talk to you again on the show. So Things like that. Other than that, it's all luck. If somebody sees a message, a lot of times they'll say yes, but most of the times nobody sees them. So pretty much through DM and on Instagram, that seems to pretty be much, yeah. Platform. Well, I, I do have to say your persistence is impressive, and also your ability at such a young age to communicate. Um, and you know, like you said, we met at the Super Bowl, and you just started a conversation with me, and. Uh, you know, that seemed very natural and very easy for you, but I, I would have to guess at some point early on, maybe it wasn't so natural and easy. And how did you handle the rejection at that young age? Because not everyone says yes. <laughs> you know, I think for me, it goes back to my parents again, pushing into me that if when you're talking, you're in the spotlight. So they used to put me in speech competitions against people double my age. And when I was like six, seven years old, even eight, nine years old, I was going up against high school seniors sometimes in speech competitions. And so the first couple of times it was, it was a little bit weird, but I somehow learned some way to just tune it out and not worry about it. I think that helps with communication. Why I handle rejections is uh, I'll be honest at first it was tough. I think like, like all kids, it's not, it's not easy to hear. No, you're used to, to getting the yes. So over time, it's just kind of 
I've gotten 99% no. So at this point, it's kind of like, all right, how do we turn this into yes? Or how do we move on from this and think about the next big thing? And what specifically could you say, because I think there's a, there's a lesson to be learned here. You started this interview off talking about how you were motivated to try to help the mental well-being of your fellow classmates. And so a lot of times people's mental well-being goes in the tank because they do experience repeated disappointments, repeated rejections, repeated messaging that tells them they're not good enough or they're not worthy. And so what were, uh, what were some of the specific things? Was it things that your parents said? Do you practice uh, mantras? Do you do journaling? Do you do, um, you know, meditation, yoga? Do you do affirmation statements? That kind of stuff. You know, what, what are some specific practices that you use to continue to push through and to know and believe in yourself? I would say for me, I, I just kind of get fueled by those things. When somebody says no, it's like, that's just motivation for me to prove them wrong. Um, I, I'll give an example in sports, you know, aside from media, when it comes to basketball, my seventh grade year, like it, the way our district set up, there's two middle schools that merge into one high school. And so I'm in ninth grade now. When I was in seventh grade, I cut, got cut from my basketball team. My coach basically told me there is almost no chance I'm going to play any further basketball because it just gets more competitive. Eighth grade, I try out. I thought I was good enough. Again, I get cut. And the coach tells me that just enjoy the ride because it's not going to last long. So it was like, this is middle school basketball and people are telling me this. So it, it didn't feel too good. And at that point, I was like, man, I got to prove these people wrong and I got to find a way around it. So I just stopped caring what other people thought and just worked for the summer, through the year. And then this year, ninth year basketball, I made the team. And that's a really minor example, but that's just something that that's kind of the way I work is mm -hmm. somebody says no, it gives me so much motivation to prove them wrong. I love that. I love that. Use it, turning it, turning that negative into fuel for you. I always say that every no gets me closer to the next yes. <laughs> and someone else's no is the opportunity for you to serve or to help someone else that needs, needs what you have to say or needs what you have to offer even more so. So absolutely. Yeah. I think uh, the whole way global community started was off a no. If SI for kids didn't say no, then I don't know if global community would have started. What's the end game? What's the goal? What's your big vision for global kid media? So in the short term, I want to be the first kid on national TV as a reporter, host, producer in sports. I think, uh, I hope every day I'm getting a little bit closer and I'm talking to different executives and things like that. The big goal for 2021 is the Olympics. I want to get out to Tokyo, and I think that puts the global and global community the best. The long-term goals for global community is I want to get other kids involved now. I mean, it's it's not just – I'm not going to be a kid forever. I only got a couple more years of that. So let's get that five-year-old chef I was talking about. Maybe someone's out there like that. Let, let's make them a part of global community. Let's help them grow their brand. Let's get them connected to the best chefs in the world. Maybe an artist who's seven years old and get them connected to the best artists in the world and get them their own show. And let's see the progression through the years and see how much better they get in just like four or five years. I'm curious to know of the, uh, you don't have to name names, but what's the feedback you're getting from some of these larger networks? Because um, here's the thing, I'm in that business, I'm in the sports broadcasting business and it can be brutal for an adult. And yeah. I can't imagine someone, you know, your age trying to break into it. And they're, you know, they're like, what, what are you, who are you talking about? You're 14 years old. But what's been some of the responses that you've, that you've received? So, yeah, 
I won't name any particular networks. Some uh, will hang up the phone on me before I even start talking. And then others will say, let's talk, you know, let's have a meeting and go out to New York and meet with some people and actually talk about opportunities. And so um, this Nickelodeon game that happened that I thought went phenomenal. I was trying to be a part of that. And so one network was saying, we'll try to get you on. But then Nickelodeon wanted to use their own talent. That's another struggle. There's a lot of these kid broadcasted things. They want to use their own talent. So that makes it hard. But at the same time, I'm happy to see other kids involved. Um, I always say if it's not me, at least somebody's doing it. But those are kind of the, a, a, lot, a lot of networks will say no, but I'm just looking for that one yes. That's all you need. That's right. That's right. Uh, what has been, um, in terms of, you know, the, the bigger picture of this, right? I think that the interesting thing, well, first, let, let me ask you this question. In this year, this, now we're coming up on a year of living in this pandemic, and obviously sports in general took a huge hit in terms of even playing coverage. So how did you have to shift? your focus because you're so used to going over as, as you said you went all around the, the the country for sure if not the world and and interviewing and seeking out these major events so when that all stopped what did you do, do to, to keep this going that's where the show started so for me at first i'll be honest i wasn't a huge fan of it because i was like instagram live really and, and the first time i did it there was all these connection issues and <laughs> it was like it was crazy this is a whole nother world but as I started to do it, it didn't even take a week for me to realize like this is a lot different than just going to an event not knowing what's going to happen I, I think one big relief is you can get kicked out of events you can't get kicked off in Instagram live for the most part if you're hosting it so uh, that was pretty cool and then you know brought on a lot of cool people and I think the fun of the show is you can do whatever you want. You know, there's no two minute time restriction, like maybe in person, you can just have a conversation and talk. And uh, that was really cool. So the show is kind of the adjustment to COVID-19. I'm hoping pretty soon here we can get back on the road. But in the meantime, I'll keep doing this. What event are you looking most forward to to get to do live next? The Olympics. That's the next big one. Well, uh, I'll say if possible the NCAA tournament I don't know if that's going to be with COVID if that's going to be okay by then if so I'd love to be out there even virtual access anything like that I'm trying to see into but otherwise the Olympics is the big one sure who's who are the top give me maybe top two or three people that you want to get on your show or that you want to interview next I always talk about Mark Cuban um that's somebody who I think has done a little bit of everything, uh, owns a sports team, obviously big into entrepreneurship, television personality, like all these different things that I kind of see myself wanting to branch out into. Mm -hmm. So that's one big person. Um, of course, George Kittle, which we've <laughs> talked about, and uh, his personality is obviously amazing. It would be really cool to have a fun conversation with him. One more person, let's see. Uh, I've been trying to set something up with maybe Kevin Durant and talk about you know, 35 ventures talk about his media company so trying to see if that could happen now did i read on your in instagram that you have a did you create a partnership or you have a show uh with someone tell me about that so ruckus avenue radio has taken on global community they premiered some different episodes from before and pretty soon here 
uh, we'll be working on some new stuff too. So Ruckus Avenue Radios, I believe today at, at seven, there's going to be another episode. They're going to be airing mine with uh, Jay Billis and it's the number one South Asian podcast or radio station in the world. So it's really cool to be be working with them and kind of, I think it's, it's different for both sides and just a cool partnership. That's amazing. That is amazing. What's one of your most memorable interviews that you've done? These kids from the Special Olympics at the 2019 Pro Bowl, uh, my favorite ever by far. I think you just learn so much from them. I know I'm complaining on the basketball court about a hangnail, and then there's these kids who have le- legitimate reasons to complain, and they don't. They cherish everything that they do have. And it's like, man, if everyone could be like them, think about where we'd be as a entire country in the world like things would be great how about one of the funniest guests or craziest guests you've ever had (sighs) that's a tough one let's see we've had a lot of cool people on who have uh who've been unique for sure one of my favorites recently has been talia tongue from maryland uh we were doing a little bit of guitar he sings a lot, so we're gonna we're gonna do a live pretty soon here with some music stuff. So uh, that was just interesting for sure. Um, I don't know. Every episode's so different. Like you have a different guest on every episode. I've had athletes, I've had broadcasters, entrepreneurs, you know, artists, everyone. Very cool. What is your? Um, well, you have a book coming out. Tell us about that. Tell me about the book and what kind of led to that and what's behind it. What's it about? So I'm going to be honest. I never wanted to write a book. Uh, It was always like, yeah, sure. uh, This book thing, yeah, it'll totally happen. I didn't want to do it. I I hated the thought of writing and writing and writing. But in August, you know, I was like, this COVID thing's come up and I've been talking about it. Now people are calling me out for it. So I better start something. And so um, I found a, a mentor, Janine Hernandez, in the Book Publishing Academy. And so we started working together. And this is honestly one of the coolest things ever, uh, is writing a book and getting to talk about my story. And some of the behind the scenes things, uh, the numbers sound cool always, the 1,500 interviews, the 200 hosted shows, the 25 partnerships. But some of those stories behind the scenes are what really stick out. And you know, I wouldn't trade those for the world. You can take away the numbers, but you can't take away those experiences. Absolutely. Well, Vinat, I ask everyone this uh, in all of my podcast episodes because it is called Too Much Grit to Quit. Obviously, you have exemplified that in your persistence in what you're doing and everything that you've accomplished at such a young age. But when you hear when you personally hear the word grit, what does it mean to you? Just means fighting through everything, you know, all the no's, all the doubters, all the naysayers, find a way around it, prove them wrong, show them what what real grit is, show them what real power is, and just don't let them get to you at the end of the day, whether that's physically, but more importantly, mentally. Mm-hmm. Don't let anyone own yourself, you own you. Who exemplifies grit to you? I would say, I mean, I'll go back to, again, my parents, uh, seeing them, you know, the, the way that they raised me and my sister, that anything we want to do, we have to go out there and do it. But that was my dad training me to run 10 miles at nine years old. Like that was something that was at the end of the day, a really cool process and um, just taught me the discipline. What is your, um, 
you know, when this is over, because you're not going to be 14 for long. <laughs> you're, you're getting older. You're into high school. I know you're, you're extremely intelligent. So what's the end, end game for you? Like, what, do you, what is your long-term vision? What do you want to do after high school and in, in college? Well, first of all, thank you, but I don't view myself as the smartest person in the world. I don't view myself as more than an average kid. I just say I've, I've had some opportunities that have been really cool, and I wish every kid could have that opportunity. That's the goal of Global Comedians to provide that, but that's that's kind of the vision for uh, the rest of high school. I don't necessarily see myself doing reporting, doing media for the next 10, 15, 20 years. Um, after this year, I'd like to branch off to the business side of things. Well, already this year, I've been thinking about starting merchandise and trying to see how you do that. That's a whole nother world. Uh, getting into maybe starting other companies and stuff like that. So it starts off with getting other kids involved and making sure Global Comedia is set. And then we'll see where it goes from there. I always say that. Uh, my goals change every year. You're going to be like the next Mark Cuban, just building your own empire. That's the, that, that's the goal. People. <laughs> Absolutely not. No, I still, I still view myself as uh, the same that I was like three years old, never changes. So before I let you go, anyone that's listening to this, as I mentioned at the start of the show, your story, your persistence, your determination is very inspiring, not only for younger men and women, but also for adults who, you know, sometimes feel like they're too old to start something new or they've been passed by so many times or you know, can't catch a break, right? Adversity is at its height in this last year. People are experiencing it in, in, in different ways and not things that they have, they have maybe ever experienced before. What's your words of wisdom, words of advice from Global Kid Media to anyone listening that might be going through a tough time? To think about what you really want, think about what's between you and think what matters more. Does what that obstacle says to you, does that matter more? Or does that end goal, does that finish line matter more to you? And once you think about that, think about the steps towards getting rid of the obstacle. That's the biggest thing is, is finding a way over that hurdle, how to jump it, how to get around it. You have to find a way some way. So just, just I always say, take the first steps. You know, we can brainstorm and brainstorm for 20 and 30 years, but once you have a plan, you got to put it in place eventually. So might as well start today. Excellent advice. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to be here on Too Much Grit to Quit, and I wish you nothing but the best. All my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. That's a wrap for this edition of Too Much Grit to Quit on Blue Wire Hustle. I'm your host, Shelly Till. Please join me again the next time, and make sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform.